Hey hoes, what's up? And welcome to another episode of Sugaring with Spice. I'm your host Spice, aka Slut Who Won't Fuck You. And this is episode 11, Meeting Mark Leda. If you don't know who Mark Leda is, he is the YouTuber, I guess. I don't know, YouTuber, interviewer of the channel Soft White Underbelly. And I didn't even know about his channel until a client introduced me to his channel and showed me uh, videos of sex workers on the channel. And obviously I was very intrigued. I thought it was um, nice to hear people's stories because I love documentaries. So for me, that was why I enjoyed it because I like watching deep, dark, explicit, traumatic um, documentaries. I don't know why. I've probably seen every documentary there is on Hulu or Netflix about trafficking or about cults or sexual abuse, anything, child abuse, the big pharma. Goddamn, I've watched like so many different scandals, murders all over the world. I just eat that shit up. I like to be made aware and I like to process people's pain and emotions, not as my own, but I guess, I don't know. I just feel for these people because I've been in similar situations. So for me, it's not like therapy, but I guess it makes you feel not alone when you see the stuff that you can relate to. Um, And it just makes you see the world and people for who they are. There's so many different types of people on this channel and you can't even pinpoint it to how to describe the people that he interviews. But to me, I was drawn to the channel because of how I can relate to some of these people in pain and really it makes me grateful. And a lot of people come to the channel to reflect and see how far they've come. Because at one point in my interview, uh, when we were talking about my addiction to drugs, when I was younger, um, Mark wanted to talk about that because he said he gets a lot of comments about um, people who are recovering or have been, you know, clean or sober for many years, however many amount of time. And they say coming to the channel, and hearing other people's stories like gives them strength to stay clean. And I was like, okay, you know, so um, we'll talk about that later. But we filmed this interview June 15th, 2002. So it's March, April, May, June. It was almost a year ago. And I can say that I'm a very different person than I was last June. Definitely. (laughs) So it's when I watch the interview, I see a different part of myself now and what that girl was going through because I didn't like, there's no way to tell my whole story in that interview. It would take so many segments to get through that. But I am happy with what I got to put out there. 
And it's ultimately why I said yes to the interview um, because I did think about it for some time. But I figured having his platform to share my voice was enough reason for me, regardless of what the backlash could be. I was willing to take that risk, you know, but I was encouraged, you know, to really think about it because this channel has how many followers? I think like, well, millions for sure. Let me double check. Let's see. It has subscription, soft light underbelly. What the F view channel? 4.49 million subscribers. Okay. I'm barely at like 4,000 followers and you know me, like that doesn't mean anything to me. So I definitely was scared because I am, I don't have a big following, so I'm not prepared to be heard by that many people. Like if I woke up and overnight, like my Instagram blew up or my podcast had like all these new followers and streams, I would be in a little bit of a state of shock because I'm just like, damn, like that just went all the way out there. You know, like I'm comfortable sharing with like my fellow sex workers online, the girls that are my community. But, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen if this ever takes off. I'm going to freak out a little, no lie. <laughs> but in the end, it's all for a positive message besides the fact that men are trash. I guess you could say that's negative, but that is part of my message. Um, so I have a client who is a lawyer who is the one who advised me the most to think about it. Obviously, all your friends are going to tell you, yeah, do it. Go ahead because you're already out there. This is like a big opportunity for you. What are you waiting for? Like manifested this, yada, yada, yada. But you know, there's still a lot to be thought about. And my client always has my best interest at hand. And I definitely take his word seriously. So I did think about it and I revised the model agreement. I had Mark send it over to me and we revised the agreement to uh, where I was able to have the video taken down at any time if I wanted to. So let's say I got some crazy, amazing, like vanilla job in the future. And like, I just didn't want that out there. Or I felt differently if I had kids or anything. And I'm not saying I do feel that way. I don't right now. I don't have any problem with whomever seeing that on the internet ever. Um, but To be safe, I definitely um, thought that it was important to have that in writing and have my back in the future um, if anything went wrong. So I'm grateful for his advice right there because even Mark in the message was like, you're smart to think this way. And he was cool about it. He was like, if anyone ever asked me to take it down, I mean, I would, um, but you're smart to get it in writing. He put... These are his text messages uh, the day that I asked for the model release agreement, which I'm looking at right now. And then I outlined 
two things that I wanted added or changed. And he said, this is all fine by me. I rarely edit my talks. And if you need to take it down for some reason, I always oblige. So for anyone else out there who did it or thinks that he won't take it down for anyone else off his word, he said he will, but I definitely got, um, got it in writing. He told me, you're wise to think this way. I never want to take advantage of anyone or cause problems for them with my work. So that was great. I said, thank you. I'll see you this day for the interview. So when I was first approached to do the interview, it wasn't by Mark himself. It was by his assistant via the soft white underbelly Instagram. I was sent a DM um, where they expressed their interest in me and they were trying to verify what exactly I classify my job as or what I did. And I told them I'm a full service sex worker, uh, also a stripper, don't really strip anymore. Because um, I had stopped this was filmed in June, they probably approached me in May, maybe about a month, or maybe not even, I don't know, they approached me and I think it all happened within like, two weeks, they said we want you to do the interview. So I stopped dancing like I was in May. So this was at the time where I was taking a hiatus. So um, I said, I'm a full service sex worker and I pretty much will hoe anywhere, anytime given the opportunity. And I have, you know, my clients that I see outside the club, so I don't really go there anymore. And I have, you know, celeb clients, high profile clients, and I'm willing to talk as much as I can. And they were like, okay, sounds like a very interesting interview. I will run it by Mark and give him this information and we will get back to you. The first time she reached out to me, um, his assistant, she is female. Uh, I won't say her name just because, but uh, she DMs me on June 6th in the afternoon. And then later on, she messaged me the same day asking me for my contact information uh, she said, because I'm thinking of having you come to the studio Thursday or Friday of this week, give Mark, I'll have Mark give you a call before we confirm it all. I give her my phone number, my name, and then Mark actually called me. I talked to Mark. We talked about uh, what the interview could be like, and then we confirmed the date, and that was that. So then my last messages with Mark he sent me the address of the studio monday june 6th and we did the interview on june 15th like i said so then on june 15th i'm getting ready for my interview and i'm always early or exactly on time i hate people who make me wait i cannot stand it like which is why when I make appointments for hair, nails, lashes, like I am trying to accommodate my person, my friend who's giving me this service because I want a pain-free experience for both of us. I don't want you to be rushed or feel rushed or pressured. I want to just be chill. So when I got there, uh, or when I was about to exit, Mark texted me and said, Spice, can we meet at 12.15, please? That was at 11.40 a.m. And I was 
just approaching downtown LA at that time. So I was like 10 minutes away. So I live on the west side. So you have to plan accordingly because traffic is goddamn insane to get from the west side to downtown. Not to mention Skid Row. So I'm in my Uber because I don't drive. And I'm dressed pretty casually, fortunately, you know, because what ended up happening was I had to wait outside Mark's studio for a good while. So I decided to uh, walk to the flower district and just, you know, stroll around, look at some flowers and safer over there than on Skid Row. And it's right around the corner. So I was like, all right, I'll just stay right here and look around. And then I walked back over to Mark's and it was probably about 12 30 12 between 12 30 and 12 45 so i gave him extra time because he said 12 15. then by the time i got back i knocked nothing was going on no one was answering so then he finally comes out and he looks like irritated and pops his head out and he's like hey i thought i said 12 15 and i was like it's 12 30 or 12 45 whatever time it was you know and he was like oh um just very rude and monotoned too, like not apologetic. Like you don't need to kiss my ass. We'd be like, Oh fuck. Like I lost track of time. I'm so sorry. Could you, do you mind waiting 10 minutes longer? I'm so sorry. Like, and I would have been chill, but then he's just looking at me like it's your problem. And I was just like, okay, whatever. So he's like, do you mind waiting out here? And there was some guys that were playing dice in front of Mark's studio and they were close friends with him because obviously he does all those interviews right there he's close with Skid Row and the community and all the people that live there so they know him and they were like they'll keep an eye on you don't worry about it and I was like I'm not worried it's fine like he was kind of like treating me like are you sure you know because he just saw like my blonde hair and my pink Gucci bag and just thinking, I don't know what he thought, but I felt judged. And I'm like, bitch, you don't know where the fuck I come from. Like, this does not scare me, but hurry up or take your time. But goddamn, this is on you. So then I'm outside in front of his studio, like literally learning how to fucking shoot dice with these guys. And they're homeless, they're addicts, but like I said, doesn't bother me. And eventually mark comes out and two people exit the studio and they're finally done so then i go in the studio it smells it's dirty it's not much and i know it's skid row but like at least maintain your space like it's it was meh, you know like you have millions of followers you make hundreds of thousands of dollars off this channel and you can't have like just a clean studio Ugh, whatever but that's marked i guess so sat down i had another purse uh with my stripper heels in it so i put my heels on he took the photos and like pan shot up and down video and then we sat down and started the interview i smelled shit like immediately am i i mean i smelled shit like mark i could smell that he was a piece of shit like immediately like he just had this toxic energy it was very sinister and kind of off like if he was a client i wouldn't see him or go in vip with him 
without someone giving me their word about him before or like the club knowing him there had had someone has to vouch for this man because his vibes are off and like I won't dance for someone if the vibes are off because that's your intuition and in my interview I said not all money is good money so you won't just see me laid up back there with anybody like I'm not letting anyone into my safe space like that so that's my first impression and I had my opinions and thoughts about Mark based off of his channel because although I did like it in the beginning it gives you that like false hope that this is something good that Mark is helping these people when you first engage with the channel I think it gave me like it gave me a good vibe you know but I think as the time went on and I watched the channels my perspective changed just by I don't know like the veil was lifted like before I did this interview it had already lifted and it was one of the interview it was one of the reasons why I did the interview because I wanted to find out you know I wanted to see what he was about and I wanted to see like what actually goes down on this man's channel and who is this man he kind of seemed gay to me too or bi whatever but he has children so I don't know but we all know there's plenty of men with families out there that fuck other men so he definitely was someone that I couldn't quite put my finger on and when I can't quite put my finger on you it's not typically for a good reason so as I'm doing this interview I'm listening to his tone <clears throat> I'm feeling his energy and I didn't feel like he gave me a fair interview and I have sat here and thought about this and reflected on it for a long time it's obviously been months and thinking like did I just like not feel special enough or what and no that's not what it is it genuinely felt like he was just pumping out content like the people were nothing to him like I was nothing to him the person before me was nothing to him these were just like questions that felt like robotic and I don't understand how the interviews can come off so I guess genuine because he's so not genuine in my opinion and it really threw me for a loop because I was trying to like usually I can manipulate a situation or steer the conversation towards where I want it to go and with Mark like he just was not uninterested but unless it was something that like he felt he could like exploit more or get you to be more vulnerable he really doesn't care about anything other than that so example we were probably 10 minutes into my interview maybe less than that when someone starts banging on the studio door 
and saying that one of the guys out front that was playing dice had just overdosed. So I'm freaking out <clears throat> because I'm like, oh my God, like call the ambulance. So Mark calls an ambulance and he says, this kind of thing happens all the time. And it's kind of just rolling his eyes. And I'm like, okay, like you still call the ambulance or go outside, help him, like figure it out. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I couldn't just let someone die like in front of my fucking studio but do you mark so he calls the ambulance the guy is out front we go out front and this does happen all the time on skid row so they already know the other people out front already know what to do so me and the other guys they're like put his head like this blah blah blah, blah and i'm assisting them and mark's kind of looking at me like what are you doing you know and i am just doing me i would help anybody in any situation who was suffering whether it's man, woman, child, animal, even someone I hate if something, well, maybe not someone I hate, um, depending, but I can't sit and watch someone suffer. Like I'm always going to intervene whether it puts me in danger or not. I don't think about that. And that's the kind of people that I want in my life. And I'm sure that's why a lot of people like having me in their life because I ain't scared of shit. Like at the end of the day, you got to do what you got to do. And that's just how I feel. So I felt judged by Mark for helping these people. And he really like wanted no part of it. And I was like, you profit off of this entire community. And when one of them is like, could be dying, you just disregard it. Like, it's just, it's not a person. It's just an addict, you know, and it felt like, how people are just disposed of in the prison system. Like they're not seen as a human being anymore. And I felt like because he labeled these people addicts, like to him, they didn't deserve to be seen anymore. Their lives were worth less to him is how I felt. And yeah, I know he's kind of numb to it because he's around it all the time, but no excuse when this is the community you're profiting off of like and for him to do that in front of someone and be so like blatant about it i was like okay all right mark then when all this is over the ambulance doesn't end up coming the guy ends up being okay uh after his overdose he overdoses all the time apparently he is a crack dealer and when he stores the crack in his mouth yeah obviously sometimes i'll swallow it <laughs> and then overdose it's not funny but that's what happened that's legit what happened and he was hiding it obviously because he didn't want to get busted so that's where it was so that's just sad too because that's just like survival like this man is a crack dealer and he will risk his life in order to survive and sell crack and that is literally the ugly truth about it all and i was right there in front and center and it truly like whenever things like that happen to me they stay with me they affect me and not in a negative way but it's how can that not just be something you always remember but anyway 
as we go back into the studio, Mark is like, whoa, it's like, I didn't like expect you to do that. And I was like, what? He was just like, be so involved or help or care at that. He's like, most people would have taken a step back and just observed or panicked. And I was like, well, that's just not who I am. And, you know, I told him, I was like, that easily could have been me one day. I know many people who have overdosed. I know many people who have lost their lives to drugs and it deeply affects me. And I'm not just, I wouldn't want anyone to go there feeling alone. Like I wouldn't want anyone to pass and for people to just sit there and like, let it happen. I wouldn't want that person to just go with this feeling of like, no one cares about me or whatever. Like no one should have to like die alone, you know, no one. Yeah. Um, there's a reason I feel that way, you know, I'm very sensitive to that. So that was very much a reason why I intervened. And Mark was like, what do you mean that could have been you? And I was like, I used to be addicted to drugs. I was like from the age of 15 to 20. And I relapsed in my later twenties, mid twenties. And he was like, oh, and like his face just like lit up. And I wasn't trying to have like a heart to heart, but I was just saying something serious. And he was like, oh, he was like, we'll be sure to talk about that. He's like, don't let me forget about that. Like, let's talk about that. And I was like, okay. And then that's when he had mentioned that a lot of people on the channel who are recovering use it as a tool. And that was the only positive thing he said. And it kind of seemed like he just threw that in there. So I took a mental note and sat down. We started the interview. Obviously, he always starts off with tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your family. <clears throat> I obviously didn't say too much about that because that is not where I wanted the focus of this interview to go. Um, I didn't want it to be about my family. I wanted it to be about sex work and my job and really the drama, the current family with my drama and the passing of my brother was not something I wanted to bring up and make more painful for other people in my family. So, and out of respect for my brother, I wasn't going to go there. And I was willing to say like, yes, I lost my brother, but I wasn't going to go into the entire story. So I kind of just kept that very, yeah, I have a lot of siblings. My childhood was crazy and it was interesting. My parents had kids very young, they were dumb, but I did not get into everything we went through as children. And I didn't get into where I stand with my family because I don't want to open that door. Um, not afraid of them. I just don't want them in my life. So if I talk about them or speak on them, I'm opening the door for them to say something to me. And I don't want to hear from them. Like, I don't want to hear a damn thing from my mom or the sisters that I have lost contact with. You know, I've lost enough. I've been through enough and I'm not, oof, not giving them a platform to respond to. So I kept the intro very basic and i will admit to that as the episode continued you know i talked about um how i cope with sex work how 
most people are lying about what they do in the back. I talked about how all money is not all good money. You know, if you're listening to this, you saw the interview, you saw everything that I talked about. And I was pleased with, you know, the response I got. There were 1,600 comments, 7.8 thousand likes, 423,141 views. So I like don't look at it on a daily basis. I haven't looked at it in a long time. Um, Besides the beginning, the beginning, I definitely was glued to looking at the comments and what was being said, because I was, you know, I have enemies. I'm always looking over my shoulder because people are ready to bash me the second that they can. And so whenever I throw something out there, like I'm looking for some form of retaliation or just plain hatred or jealousy I can never really have peace and it sucks, but uh, it's not going to stop me from living out loud and being me. So you control me as much as you want, however you want, in whatever form, on any platform, it's not going to shake me. So anyway, back to the interview. Um, I enjoyed the experience, I guess, because I got to see someone that I thought I admired for who they really were. And when I left the interview, I had already had a curiosity to look into these comments that I saw on his channel just before, like just days before the interview, I was kind of like doing my research a little being nosy. And I saw these comments that had a specific girl's name in it, Amanda Rab, And I was just like, hmm, why is everyone commenting this girl's name, Amanda Rab? But I didn't think anything of it. But after my interview, and I was like, mm, you know, feeling sus about Mark, I looked into it. And I want to say that I know that everyone says that Mark exploits these people and he does pay them so you know it's not like he's just taking for them but he does make a significantly huge profit compared to what he offers these people and you know everyone knows that he's tried to help certain girls and get them on the street help them with housing help their kids all these things but i think like the ones that he's tried to help like that was just for him like he's just a creep i don't think that he was doing that to for no reason like i don't think that that was a selfless thing that he does and i agree that everyone in life is exploited like i know that me i do the same thing i exploit men's needs for my benefit and he exploits these people for his benefit. Major corporations exploit our need for food, items, fucking materialistic goods that we think we need. They exploit that and they take us to these levels where, you know, we get these things. So I, it's hard to really say what he's doing is fucked up. But when I saw these, comments and then I went down the rabbit hole 
I can say that he is not a good person and he is a fishy, fishy man. And when I say that, I do mean that. Like, there's definitely more to him. Like, I need more. And I need to watch the Adam 22 interview because he, I mean, I, that podcast is like a joke. Adam 22 is to me only like for clout and things like that. He interviews some weird ass people, but anyway, he had someone involved in this story on his podcast and I have yet to watch it. Um, I just saw that actually when I was doing my research for this and I'm like, yo, you're weird. Like, why would you have her on here? Like, this is, men are gross. Like, she's a weirdo. And this whole thing is off and you're letting her up here spew her bullshit. So, men are trash. Moral of the story. But this Amanda Rapp story, you need to go on YouTube and you need to type in BJ Investigates Amanda Rabb. This is the rabbit hole that I went down. Now, Amanda Rabb is a woman who was on uh, Soft White Underbelly. I watched all of her videos in order because I had to do that in order to understand this story and the timeline and what the hell happened to this girl. So I watched all her interviews from the first one to the last. She changes her appearance over the course of these interviews significantly she goes from being very skinny to being very big again to you know looking healthy to being able to understand what she's saying to not being able to understand what she's saying it's very hard you know it's very hard to watch and to see and to swallow what happened to this girl and everyone just thinks like she that her life was unimportant you know and what Mark and this woman Lima did to this girl is creepy and weird. And I don't know who they think they were to step in like this. It's Mark is just a YouTube channel interviewer. Like, I don't know where he thinks he is a licensed counselor or has any type of medical degree or knows anything about actual mental illness. And for him and this woman to step in and take control over this woman's life the way that they did is fucking just off. Very off. There's also more you can read about this on the Soft White Underbelly website in his um, community threads. There's 110 threads on this community forum. Amanda's death's all over that. There's people who are definitely speculating his involvement with her death and the woman Lima's involvement in her death. It's so, I don't even know where to begin. So Amanda was interviewed by Mark and she was obviously homeless. She struggled with addiction. Uh, I believe she was a sex worker in some times of her life. She was, um, sexually molested by her father she discloses that and her struggles and later on for some reason mark reunites her with her father and they put her in jail at some point and i was just like whoa i don't agree with anybody being put in jail because like 
that's the only option like fuck that like i am so against the prison system like it's not happening like and, and i'm talking about addicts like that's not going to reform anyone or solve any problems and if she wants to be out there living her life on the streets she is a grown woman she can do that but like they were gonna send her to jail and i was just like no for i don't remember what but yeah no just totally against that don't incarcerate addicts that's just not how you intervene especially as your family like for your own family to put you in jail is i feel like that's maybe what's rubbing me the wrong way the most it's you don't snitch on your fucking family like that's just what you don't do like to put your daughter in jail should be a hard thing to do when the circumstances really require that like they are a danger extreme danger to society yes then i could say there are circumstances same with turning on any other family members you know there are circumstances where i agree maybe you want to lock them up like if you've been abused by a family member that is fine lock up a fucking abuser but this woman was not an abuser like she wants to abuse herself that's on her you know but to put your daughter in jail so easily is what i have an issue with but i digress mark ends up i don't know how i need to refresh but you guys just need to do your own research and watch the amanda videos in order or just watch bj investigates because she covers the whole thing just watch that and uh this woman lima is from this company called aura which is basically just these deadly experiments to help people in recovery and with addiction and it's basically a vr reality cure all basically where they put you in vr um where you're not in they don't make sure that you're in a good mental state before you do this they just kind of throw you in there and you're in this vr where they put you in extreme situations to test your um strength in order to stay sober so like they'll put you in a room like that you have described to them before where you were on a bender for this or and they'll put scary realistic things in this vr like she was being she said she was being chased down the street in this vr and you know these are people with real mental health problems you can't just inflict this alternate reality their reality is already so skewed like it just doesn't make sense to me it just sounds like nonsense to think that you can cure someone with vr like it just is insane and this woman lima and her company aura she is who she has no medical degree she is nobody it's very weird though because now she has been bam margera's conservator for quite some time now and in bam's comments i saw this a couple months ago um it just came across my feed i saw a picture of bam and her and i was like what the fuck and then it was like a very sketchy caption about like oh how i love lima as my conservator and i was like yo this is weird because everyone just gets alarmed when they hear the word conservator ever since the britney spears conservatorship like took such a dark turn and i think there are so many other more 
conservatorships out there that probably are of similar circumstances. So this one really was like a red flag. And I love Bam Marja. And I was like, oh my God, no, like Bam has struggled for so long. And, you know, especially ever since Ryan Dunn's death that I was like, no, like she's going to kill Bam. Like my red flags like went off because I feel like Mark and Lima are solely responsible for this girl's death. Had they just left her alone, maybe she would have ended up killing herself in the long run, not by suicide. I'm just saying like living a life that she was living. That was not their job for them to intervene the way that they did. They put her in more harm's way, like risked her mental health even more. They are not professionals. Like, I don't know who Mark thinks he is. He thinks he's Dr. Phil. Like you're not a talk show host. You're not qualified to do this job. Like stick to your role. Why are you connecting these people and bringing her abusive father and this weird woman Lima to corner this woman to make her do what you guys want to do. It was just very weird, very weird. And, um, I don't remember what the autopsy report said about Amanda Rabb's death. Um, I need to look into that, but she died in their care in Lima's care. And Mark was the one who brought Lima onto his platform, gave her an interview and then put those two together. Like he brought her dad on the show and Lima was also in the interview, like with her dad. It's just very weird. It's all predatory. It's like her predator dad, her this predator Lima and Mark. It's like this weird fucking trifecta of creepy people who I would feel like I would want protection from, but this woman doesn't have a proper voice to speak up and defend herself. And this is exactly the shit that I'm talking about. And so that's why I feel like Mark is disgusting. He just feeds on weak, vulnerable people. And I don't regret going on the show because now I know and I felt it and I lived it and I know who this guy is. And I'm going to go down this rabbit hole again because I want to look more into Bam Margera's conservatorship and the Samantha rap thing. And Mark took the comments off of his YouTube for a long time because that's all people would talk about. Like everyone was asking, we want answers about Amanda. This is bullshit because everyone on his channel watches his videos and they watch this girl's steady decline and weren't understanding his position in all of this and why he would stay quiet, but use, let this happen on his platform. It was just very fucking creepy. I'm not, not kidding. You guys need to look into it. So watch all the Amanda Rab videos in order. Look up BJ investigates, look up Lima from aura, go on the soft white underbelly website and look at all the community, um, forums and look for Amanda Rapp's name because there's multiple people on there and see how you feel. But he definitely has some judgy, condescending, toxic male energy. I said like it's sinister, it's off. If he were to come into the club or if I were to meet him in real life and, you know, try to take him on as a client, like my spidey senses would be tingling. Like it's not, it's not giving good energy it's not and my experience like i said i felt like he treats people well he doesn't treat people like people 
it's all just numbers, views, like shoveling out content. It means nothing to him. And that's when you lose me. And if you add all this up, it's garbage. Man is trash. The channel is trash. You know, I think there's a lot of great people on there and I'm glad that they get their voices heard. Um, but the man behind the curtain is a piece of shit. And that's really all I have to say about Mark. If you are interested in looking into any of that, do as you will. I just kind of want to wrap up this episode by going through some of the comments that were on the video that I thought were either funny or sweet or just caught my attention. And, you know, it made me proud to do this. And I don't want to make this episode so negative about trashing Mark or anything like that, because at the end of the day, this is my podcast and my episode, but I am grateful for the experience. And I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed the interview and made you feel more connected to me in some ways, because a lot of you reached out after and, you know, a lot of you left nice comments. I know who you are. I see them on here. I know who's who. (laughs) So thank you for supporting me on that episode liking, commenting, don't subscribe, but supporting me. Um, and I wanted to clear up one thing in the comments first off, because everyone had a problem with me saying that I was clean. And I'm like, yo, I said, I drink and smoke weed. I meant clean from meth. Like, come on, do the math. You know what I mean? Like so many people were like, you drink and smoke weed, blah, 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 blah. Like everybody drinks first of all. So yeah. And Weed is weed. But anyways, that's why I just like, I don't take it, the weed part so seriously. And alcohol is so accepted by society that I'm like, dude, you guys all drink. So that is just like, whatever. But anyways, um, I also want to address that. I feel like these videos, the comments vary based off what the interviewee looks like. And so many people like, were like, oh my God, she's so well-spoken and blah 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 and i'm like it actually wasn't that great it's just they're used to seeing incoherent people so i didn't let all that go to my head or let these people blow smoke up my ass because most people are illiterate and it's not even their fault so they're just comparing me to all these other people and i'm like yo i'm not that smart like I'm not saying I'm stupid, but I'm like, this is just normal conversation. And some people said that in the comments and I was like, okay, good. But anyway, some of these comments I like and some are just whatever. But one of my favorite comments are, she's the only person on this channel thus far who doesn't elicit pity. Good for her. And that is very true. I don't expect pity from anyone. I don't pity myself. I know what situations that I put myself in. I know what choices I make. I'm completely okay with them. And I felt appreciated and seen. Uh, let's see. She's very action oriented and decisive. When you ask how sex work has affected her, she answered with the things she does to manage her stress. I don't do those things a lot anymore and I need to. I've kind of lost my way with my meditation and my journaling and my affirmations, but I've gotten back on that and it's it's really making a positive change. But like I said, I'm not the same girl I was a year ago and 
I've had a lot going on and I faltered a little bit. I will say I faltered a little bit. So I'm getting back on my true path, which is um, my healing path, you know, and I love doing my meditation. I love doing my journaling. It keeps me stable. And I forgot that. And now fucking shit's all shaking up. But anyways, uh, another comment. Wow. I love her. She didn't let her circumstances define her and she's doing the damn thing. Uh, that's true and not true because I mean, I definitely didn't let my circumstances growing up define me, but I'm learning not to let sex work define me. So that's just something to think about. Um, I believe in true love. I just choose not to engage with it at this time in my life. What a balanced point of view. So I do believe in true love. I do believe that (coughs) monogamy is also not natural. So those two things kind of bump up against each other because I think I don't know. I don't know if I think you can be in true love and also be a cheater. I think you can be in an open relationship or be polyamorous and because you're disclosing it to someone. But do you think you can love someone and also, you know, love other people or engage sexually with other people? It's tough, but that's how I feel. So I don't know what my definition of true love is. So that comment kind of like made me think about things. And me not choosing to engage with it at this time in my life, uh, I got back with my fucking toxic ex. And if the girl in that interview could see that I did that, would fucking bitch slap me. So that is just like, what a joke. <laughs> a joke. But I thought he was my true love. You know, I did love him a long time ago, three years ago, when I fell in love with him the first time. And, you know, I was trying to salvage that the second time. I thought maybe we could make it work. But now, lesson learned, I wouldn't give a random person a shot at true love, though. Like, he had a leg up on the competition. but So I guess that statement is half true because I would not engage with falling in love with a stranger. That is something I would not do. So statement is half true. Uh, I love her spirit and the shoes. Yes. Give more to receive more. I love that point of view. It's so true. You have to be very generous. And my clients are generous with me. So I'm generous to the people I love and the people in my life. And I give, you know, back to anybody who needs it. So whatever. Um, This woman is smart as a whip. Aw. One of the strongest persons I've come across in my life. Nonetheless, beauty with brains and strength. Thank you. I know who you are. Um, let's see. I love that she says she prays and it's not religious, but grateful. Same girl. Uh, that is so true. Like I definitely have been trying to pray every night before bed, like I used to, and it's just expressing gratitude. It's giving thanks for what I have and asking for guidance in the next day and strength for the next day. And the universe tends to have my back on that as long as I don't remember to reach out to the universe. So that's why I say I got to stay on my spiritual world. Shit. Um, how do you walk in those shoes and how do you have long nails like that? Well, practice. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, she could have been much more if circumstances would have been different. That is true. I will not argue that. If I had normal parents and, 
you know, generational wealth or yeah, support, love, unconditional love, you know, it could have been a whole different person, but who knows? Uh, it's funny. She says men ain't shit, but that's literally her employer. This one, yo, don't you have a job? Do you hate your fucking boss? Don't you hate working? Same fucking thing. Shut the fuck up. People are so annoying. Ugh. This one was funny. Spice was in my high school. She was the best hand job machine ever. First of all, anyone knows me, they know I hate hand jobs. They know I love to suck dick since the beginning of time. I don't fucking give hand jobs. So that could be like no further from the truth. <laughs> Spice is the goat, no cap. Love it. Amazing person, very guarded and didn't share all, but very apparent that she's strong and challenging. Very brave. That is true. I am still very guarded in my interview, you can tell. But that was only to, you know, protect certain things and save more for my podcast. And this one, Spice. I came out unscathed. Also, Spice. Men are trash. I have trust issues. I smoke weed and drink, but I'm clean. Like, I pretty much came out of sex work a lot better than most people, which is why I'm an inspiration to so many people. And men are still trash no matter what. Even if I wasn't a sex worker, I would think that. Uh, I have trust issues. Yeah, that has nothing to do with just men. I, I don't trust women. I don't trust nobody. So get the fuck out of here with that. Um, it's funny. This one, it's not what you do, it's how you do it. It's nice to hear from a happy stripper with goals. Not sure why she didn't consider working the 2000 per hour clients in NYC or Washington DC. Always interesting, thanks. Don't worry about how much money I make, okay? It's it's not your concern and I'm very, very comfortable. People think like, I like what, fuck for like $500? What is wrong with you? Definitely not fucking for 500 bucks. Get the fuck out of here. Ugh, a naked therapist is a funny and likely accurate description. Very true. Uh, quote of the day, let your freak flag fly. Yep, I love that. I love that. Um, I got a lot of Lady Gaga comments, obviously. That was pretty funny. But I get that from so many people in the club, outside the club. It's the nose. It's my awkward, weird nose and the blonde hair and the long face. It's just funny, but... Uh, I think that's it. You know, you guys can kind of just go through the comments. I have a lot of them here that I could go through, but we would never end. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on the YouTube channel and I will look for it. Thank you guys for always supporting me. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Sugaring with Spice. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we're going to do J Word part two. I know I said that I was going to do part two of the last video, which is, or the last episode, which was two, 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 but that was incorrect. I got the last episodes mixed up. So it's elaborating more on the J word situation because more things have come to light. And I really scrubbed that episode clean. I don't know why I'm so respectful of people like in the interview for Soft White Underbelly, I was very respectful of my family, even though they don't deserve my respect. Uh, I guess you say family always deserves some amount of respect. So that's, I guess, what I chalk it up to you. But I don't know why I'm respecting his feelings or his anything when he did what he did to me. So he wants to play? I could play too. So stay tuned. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been another episode of Sugaring with Spice. Love you guys so much. Stay safe out there. And don't forget to secure the bag. Love you. Bye.